You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Thomas Berceau, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Kaskill and presented by the National Lipid Association. Welcome to Lipid Luminations. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Elliot Brinton, director of the Metabolism Section of Cardiovascular Genetics and associate professor at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Dr. Brinton, welcome to Lipid Luminations. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you. Well, I'd like to start out talking a little bit about glycemic control and cardiovascular disease. It's been in the news a lot this year with the ACCORD trial, the ADVANCE trial, and the VA diabetes trial. Could you talk a little bit about what we learned from the ADVANCE trial? Let me start with ACCORD, since that was the one that came out first. ACCORD was the one that hit the news rather strongly, rather strikingly. There was an announcement made that the trial was being stopped early. And the reason it was being stopped early was a little bit of a surprise, and that was an increase in both total mortality and cardiovascular disease mortality with the intensive control arm. And this was not what was anticipated. The whole reason for doing these three trials that you've mentioned was the considerable amount of evidence that tighter glycemic control had a favorable impact on cardiovascular disease. So we were really brought up short, I think, with this announcement that came from the Data Safety and Monitoring Board of Accord, where they just felt it was unethical to continue the aggressive treatment arm of this trial because of the increase in total mortality and cardiovascular disease mortality. Now, you mentioned the ADVANCE trial. The ADVANCE trial was another large trial with a somewhat similar design, but there are some differences, which we can get into in a minute, that I think may be critical in terms of understanding why the outcomes seem to be different. And the ADVANCE trial, actually, they published or they presented, they didn't actually publish, they presented an interim analysis shortly after this surprise announcement from the Accord trial in which they stressed that their results were not the same, that they did not have an increase in total mortality, nor an increase in cardiovascular disease mortality. So the advanced trial was almost completed, but they did have a look at this. They had been following that very question throughout the trial, so they were able to just pull up what they had looked at in their most recent interim analysis and so it was, I suppose, reassuring in a sense to have the advance as a counterpoint to the accord, but left everybody very much up in the air until we then went on to have the full presentations of those two trials plus a third trial at the American Diabetes Association meeting. So there really were these three trials, the accord hitting first, advance second, and then the VA diabetes trial is the one that was first presented in June and uh, actually still hasn't been published in full manuscript form, whereas these other two we know just a little bit more about. But all three of them together, I think, are needed to give us a balanced picture of this question because it's a very, very complicated one and maybe somewhat troubling. I'll have to say that uh, for those of us who do both after prevention and diabetes treatment, it was a little bit disconcerting to see how this came out. But I think perhaps we can see our way through this and I can maybe weave for you the right picture that will maybe get us back out of the woods here. Well, that would be nice to kind of elucidate the findings. Let's start with the advanced trial. How many people were in that trial compared with the other trials? How big was it? The advanced trial was very large. Advanced and Accord were all around the 10,000 range in terms of the number of subjects. So as big as it gets in terms of diabetes trials, and for that reason, I think these two trials carry a little bit more weight. Now, the VA trial was much smaller. It only had a little over 1,700 subjects. But as I said a minute ago, I think each one of these gives us an interesting perspective and a valuable perspective 
on the same issue. And I think if we put the three of them together, we have really a three-dimensional view of something that otherwise would be very, very puzzling and very troubling if we had just either one of the two larger trials, either the Accord or the Advance. And what about the time frames of these studies? How long did each of them continue, and, and were they long enough trials? Well, that is one of the critical questions. It's perhaps one of the key takeaways is exactly how long does it take to see benefit. And let me just back up one second before I get to that question, because I think something we need to get into before we we look specifically at the question of the duration is the question of exactly how are these trials set up. All three trials were comparing, quote, intensive versus, quote, standard care. But each, in each trial, those terms had very different meaning. In Accord, the baseline A1C was 8.1%. The intensive treated group had a goal to get to less than 6. Now, we don't hardly ever talk about getting diabetics to less than 6 because that is so difficult to do, but the rationale was that is the non-diabetic range. And so they said, well, what if you took a bunch of diabetics and brought their A1Cs in the non-diabetic range? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, potentially it might have been wonderful, but it turns out that it wasn't so much, and it turns out it was very, very hard to do. They fell short of that goal. The average A1C in the intensively treated group, despite really heroic treatment, was 6.4%. The standard treated arm of that trial had a 0.6% drop down to 7.5%. So now keeping that in mind, let's go on to advance. Advance started at 7.2%, so almost a full percentage point below Accord. And for them, the intensive goal was less than 7, and they did achieve that. They had a 6.5. So their goal was much higher, but the achieved A1C was almost identical to that of Accord, and yet the drop in A1C was much less. In Accord, it was uh, about a 1.7% drop whereas in advance, the intensive treated group had only a 0.7% drop, so much less of a drop, and yet the achieved A1C was almost the same. And then the standard treated group had a 7.0, which was actually lower than it was in the standard treated group with Accord, but remember that they started out much lower, so they had really a trivial 0.2% change in their A1C. Now, the VA diabetes trial, to confuse things a little bit further, was quite different. It also had a goal of less than 7%, but they started out at 9.5%. So higher, thankfully, than the average diabetic patient in the U.S., but not necessarily higher than average in a given population, such as the veteran population. And they didn't really, I mean, they excluded people with normal A1C to begin with, but they didn't go out of their way to get a high A1C. That's just what they found. And I think a lot of us will have patients in the 7 range, the 8 range, and the 9 range at baseline. So you, you have three trials here in three different starting ranges. I think it's actually perhaps beneficial, although we're not quite sure fully how to take advantage of this baseline spread. And then the on-treatment A1C in the VA diabetes trial was 6.9, which was a little higher than the 6.4 and 6.5 of a quarter in advance. But if you look at the change from baseline, they actually had the greatest drop. They had a drop of about 2.5 points. And then the standard treatment group had an 8.4%, so by far higher than the other standard treatment treated groups. But notice that they had the greatest drop and that they had a little over a one-point drop in their standard treatment group. So some very, very interesting difference, and we're not quite yet certain what to make of that, but that has to be kept in mind as we interpret these studies, because otherwise I think it's rather difficult to, to make sense of them. Another thing that was somewhat different is the types of medications used. All three of them, all three of these studies used kind of a toolbox approach. There were several different medications from which to choose. There was no randomization of the actual treatment, but rather just randomization of the intensity of the treatment. In the two stateside studies, according to the VA trial, there was much more use of thiazolidinediones 
the majority of both of those trials used TZDs, whereas in the advanced trial, which was not done in the U.S., only 17 and 11 percent of the intensive and standard treatment arm received that. So there's that difference, although it turns out that may not have made as much of a difference as you might think. There was a lot of use of metformin, pretty extensive use of sifonirea, especially in the advanced trial. Over 90% of the patients in the intensive treatment arm had sifonirureas. A little bit of incretin use in the Accord and the VADT. A lot of insulin use, especially in Accord and VADT, a little bit less so in advanced. So there's some interesting differences in terms of the types of medications used although it's rather hard to draw firm conclusions in that regard because there was quite a bit of similarity in the use of these drugs between intensive and standard treatment in each of the three trials. So very, very complicated issue and one that we're, I think, just beginning to get to the bottom of. Now, you mentioned the, the issue of the duration of the trial. The longest of these three trials was actually the VA diabetes trial, and perhaps not coincidentally, it, it, it had an average duration of over seven years, and whereas advance was shorter and accord was shorter still, they were in the neighborhood of three and a half years or so for accord. Now, that was stopped a year or so early because of this finding of excess mortality, so they had actually planned to go a little bit longer. Advance went about five years. So one of the questions is duration of treatment, and it turns out that the longer the study went, the more positive it was. The VA diabetes trial still did not have a statistically significant reduction in cardiovascular events in the intensively treated group, but they had a trend in the right direction, much more so than either advance or accord. The other question is, what about any longer-term follow-up, maybe even after you have stopped an intervention? And it turns out that just a couple of months ago, there was a follow-up publication from the UKPDS, a much earlier trial, and they found that in extended follow-up in the UKPDS, there was continued benefit as far as cardiovascular events. Cardiovascular events trended somewhat lower during the initial period of intervention in the UKPDS, which was either with insulin, sulfonylurea, or metformin. In the case of metformin in the obese patients, there actually was a significant reduction in cardiovascular events. In the case of insulin, sulfonylurea, not significant during the initial trial. But with extended follow-up out to about 18 years or so, they found that the cardiovascular disease events continued to separate and actually became statistically significant. So there's something we call a, a legacy effect or metabolic memory where more intensive treatment with glycemic control seems to have a somewhat sluggish uptake. You know, it may take five or even 10 years to see the initial benefit, but then once you've seen that benefit and you've had a long enough intervention, then even if you stop the differential between the two groups, there will continue to be a, a spread between the two groups as far as actual cardiovascular disease. And that's also been seen in type 1. Type 1 diabetes in the DCCT, the follow-up for that was called EDIC, E-D-I-C. That was also published fairly recently. And in the long-term follow-up of that intensive treatment in type 1, they saw the same thing. Borderline benefit by the end of the trial. In fact, in the first few years of the trial, it looked actually a little bit adverse. And then as they went out to 10 and 15 and even 20 years, that's when they saw significant reduction in cardiovascular events. So it's kind of like your 401k, your investment in the stock market. If you're expecting a quick turnaround and you've only got a five-year time window, you may lose money. If you can be patient and go to 10, 15, 20 years, you're pretty much guaranteed to see a benefit. So in terms of glucose control and cardiovascular disease, I think the single most important takeaway is don't be in too big of a hurry. Another very important thing that came out of the VA trial was that there seemed to be a striking difference in benefit or harm from the intensive treatment based on the duration of diabetes. 
they had everywhere from newly diagnosed diabetics up to individuals who had had diabetes for 15 and 20 years. And they found that up to about 12 to 15 years, the more intensive treatment was beneficial as far as cardiovascular events, whereas if you go beyond that time window, then it was actually harmful. So early treatment, relatively early in the first decade or so, and relatively intensive, but maybe not overly intensive. Remember, the one study that showed the definite harm was a study where they were actually trying to beat these people below 6%. So maybe there's a takeaway there. Don't be quite so aggressive. But if you start early and you have a more gentle and more reasonable, more realistic approach to intensive control, that is, you're trying to get below 7, then chances are you're going to see benefit. Whereas if you are being too aggressive or if you don't have more than, say, maybe three or four years, maybe you don't see the benefit yet, but starting at five, six, seven years, you'll see benefit, and going out to 10, 15, 20 years, you're probably going to see even more benefit. So very, very interesting situation with these three trials. We're still trying to piece it together. We're waiting for some follow-up publications from Accordant Advance. We're waiting for initial publications with V8 diabetes trial. We're learning that lipid control was very important, blood pressure control very important, but the final answers are not yet in. Well, you mentioned lipid control also being important, and I, and I know there's some new novel pathways for even working on both glycemic control and lipid control in diabetics. Wondering if you could comment on some of the medicines that are now being used to kind of cross that interface of diabetes treatment and atheroprevention at the same time. Well, it's a little bit of a surprise because the drug that's doing this is our one totally non-systemic lipid agent, or we say totally non-systemic. The drug itself doesn't get in the body. The class of drugs is the bioelastic sequestrants, and the drug for which we have the best evidence is colocevalam or Wellcall. And this drug, even though it does not enter the body, we know that it alters bile acid metabolism. Its job is to trap bile acids in the intestine to cause a net loss of these to prevent recycling. And we know that that has effects on the liver, and that's actually how the drug lowers LDL levels. But it turns out that the bile acid pathways in the liver and perhaps some of the things going on in the intestine are also related to glucose metabolism. And there was an early indication of this many years ago with a study with cholestyramine and the possibility of a drop in blood glucose. Well, this has been followed up very nicely with colocevalam, and we now have really incontrovertible evidence that colocevalam, this drug that we thought was just working in the intestine, just working on LDL levels, now has an effect on glucose lowering. Dr. Elliot Brinton from the University of Utah School of Medicine, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.